You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast, the show all about iPads, iPhones, Apple Watches, and much, much more. I'm your host, Victor Marks. Joining me today is Mikey Campbell. Welcome, Mikey. Yo, what's up? Hey, things are going well. So, Mikey, let me ask you, what, do you have an exercise regimen? Uh, uh, not really. Do it when I can. So, so you, you don't have like a regular running program to keep that fine physique that, uh, everyone on Twitter talks about. No, no, it's natural. Well then. So the, the point of this exercise is that we are sponsored today by Mara and, and Mara is all about providing a, a smart running assistant. And, and so what you have here is a, a, a smart digital assistant, a hands-free running assistant that uses voice recognition and the microphone in your earbuds to help you optimize your runs. And you can tell it what kind of run you'd like to do. You can ask questions about your speed, pace, or location. You can have her play albums and playlists from your music library as you run. And she can also tell you how you're doing in comparison to your past runs or warn you about changes in weather, like if it's about to rain. She'll even track your progress by noting all of your rough legs. And each time you run, and you can connect her to Amazon Alexa-enabled devices and ask about lifetime specifics and record, you know, when records that you set for your next run. So visit mara.ai to download your free virtual running system today. That's M-A-R-A dot A-I. I should ask you, Mikey, do you have any Alexa-enabled devices? Nope. Huh. Wow, what an interesting life you lead. I've got a couple of those around here right now. But I, uh, I don't... I don't... Um... I just use HomeKit and whatever the first-party apps are with the smart home stuff that I have. And the, in terms of smart home stuff, you've just got Philips? Uh, a couple iDevices things and um, what else? Yeah, those are the ones that I use the most, or mainly. Cool. Yeah, the iDevices products are pretty good, too. So I want to break right into the news by talking about the Apple iPhone 8 rumors. Hmm. So... We, we talked about last week with Neil about how the idea of the iPhone was that it was going to start costing about $1,000 mm-hmm. for the device. Mm-hmm. This week, we have rumors saying that instead of the, the whole lower chin, that whole Touch ID home button area, that that's going to be replaced with a so-called function area. Yeah. What, what can you tell me about what a function area does? What's different here? So basically, uh, what uh, was information comes from... Ming-Chi, everyone's favorite analyst, uh, he's saying that Apple's going to use the a larger OLED display but dedicate the bottom portion of it to a so-called function area or function row, which would assumedly include a, a virtual home button and other, other virtual keys, perhaps, um, for system controls. It's not really clear whether this area will also serve as a part of the main display. Um, but from the note, it seems that it's going to be perhaps hard-coded uh, or, or a set of virtual buttons are going to be hard-coded into the OS itself. So we shall see. That that feels in some ways like what Android has done. Mm. I believe LG has a uh, similar similar setup um, on one of their phones. Now they, they got Apple got a patent covering micro LED displays capable of detecting touch events, right? Uh Uh-huh. 
right. using uh, infrared diodes. So they're going to use IR to detect fingerprints in that function area. Is, is that what I'm understanding here? Well, I mean, that's what they, they could do. Um, whether that technology is ready for market or not is unknown. But they're going to have to find some sort of solution if they want. Uh, it seems like everyone, every all the rumors are pointing to a full face display, which means that there's going to be no no physical home button or, or you know, how it is now, um, a Touch ID ring, basically, and uh, embedded into the uh, screen itself. Looks like that's going away or moved somewhere, perhaps. Well, there, there, um, there are competing problems here, right? I mean, the, the, the home button and whole chin area eats up a whole lot of space. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, having that indentation for, the, for where the home button is is really nice because you can locate immediately where it's supposed to be with your thumb. But if you go with the that patent, for example, uh, the entire screen can accept the fingerprint, so you just touch anywhere on the screen, which would be cool. It wouldn't be dedicated to one area. But I don't know if they're going to do that. I mean, um, I don't know. Assumedly, they're going to try to make the face as... Uh, symmetrical as possible, right? Yeah, but but then you know. When, so here, here's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Have you got the fourth gen Apple TV? Mm-hmm. And you got the the fancy voice remote for that, right? Yeah, right. You ever picked that up wrong? All the time. Yeah. Okay. So when the home button is no longer indented on the iPhone, it's going to be pretty easy to pick that thing up upside down now, isn't it? What if there is no upside down? You you say that, but they have not been successful. They have tried many times to try and fix rotation awareness and stuff on the phone, and the iPad for that matter, and every time done it badly. Um. Yeah. I don't know. the The latest iPhone is is pretty sensitive. It's um. I kind I mean it. The it's, it works. It's not well. necessarily the sensitivity. It's it's that the operating system itself screws up when you rotate it. I can tell you all the time. I get things where half the interface is rotated. If I'm doing messages, for example. I'll get the um, the the menu bar, the status bar, across the right side of the display, up and down as if it were in, in uh, landscape mode, and I'll still have the keyboard and portrait. Oh, that well, um, it they, could they be. Are, uh, and and yeah, it's not just Apple's OS; it's also on the uh, the the uh, one that has like the cell bars and stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not just Apple that gets things horribly, horribly wrong. It's it's that there are applications, third-party applications and Apple's own, that understand rotating portrait and landscape, but only if you do it in the correct orientations. That is, they do two out of the four orientations you can do. Yeah. I mean, there's always a chance that they could bake in better controls with the with the iOS 11. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, it'd be pretty cool to have a phone that is uh, position agnostic. Or orientation yeah, it would, but then you'd have to deal with microphones and speakers being agnostic as well. Well, it, it already is kind of, right? I mean, they're trying to build out their... I mean, if, if you look at iPad, right? They have the four speakers. Right. If you turn that into a phone, say, put two speakers on either side, and um, iPhone already has multiple speakers in it, and you just co-locate those on opposite sides of the phone, then you could have a basically an orientation agnostic phone. Mm. Interesting, interesting thoughts. Things that could be. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, uh, we've been talking for a long time about lightning headphones and W1 equipped Apple headphones. So tell me about the Beats X. 
Uh, BeatsX, I did test out this past week when they came out. Pretty good. I mean, it has yeah. that Beats, Beats flavor, bass, uh, big bass. And um, uh, all right, so it's let me, overall let me, pretty good. But Let me, let me yeah. ask you some questions. First of all, what's the best thing about them? Probably, I'd say the uh, passive noise canceling that it has, which is the seal. The seal is very good, and they're very light, so you don't feel them. Okay. What is the worst thing about them? I really don't like the neck strap or the, so the these, connecting portion. These are uh, a pair of earbuds that have a cord that goes between them. One of the they one of the ends of the cord has the mic button controls, volume controls, track controls, whatever, and uh, and a battery inside the cable. And you don't like having the cable going between the two pieces. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a it's like a they call it a flex form tether or cable. So it's kind of a uh, springy metal metallic material wrapped in like a soft touch uh, rubber, rubberized shell. So it's kind of comfortable, but I just don't like it touching my neck all the time. And you can feel it. It's just constantly there. I mean, it's a lot better than the uh, other, than another brand, you know, like with, ah, what brand is it? um, That makes the... uh, the huge neck strap mm. one that uh, FedEx drivers use that we talk about. Oh, right, right. That's a uh, LG by Harman Kardon or something. Yeah. Right. So it's not as big they, as that. And it's not as um, intrusive, but you're still aware that it's there, especially when, uh, you know, running or anything, it bounces around. Now, are, are there magnets in the earbud pieces? So they stick together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When the magnets stick them together, do they turn off? Um, no, no, they don't. Well, that's, that's not good. Also, it seems had, to me uh, they could have a switch inside them so that when the magnets are engaged, it knows that they're turning off. Yeah. And also, uh, my pair did not shut off automatically after it was not being used. It just stays on. Um, I couldn't find any documentation about power savings, but it appears that you need to turn it on and off when you, uh, so, so I, I ask you, why did you give it a four out of five then? Uh, it's probably one of the best Beats products that they've made. Um, and I mean, it does bring... Like the neck strap. You couldn't get it to turn off when they were supposed to. The battery performance no, was I'm not sure that it was supposed to turn off. I think that's just by no. design. Uh, the W1 chip is where it's at. And this is the cheapest W1 model that you can buy right now. So how much so, is it? Uh, it's 149 I think. Yeah, so so you gave it a four out of five because it's got a W one chip and it's one hundred forty nine bucks. Yeah, it's a it's a good. It acts like a wireless uh, wired headphone. It does not act like a wireless headphone because of the okay. W one chip, and for that reason, it is it is good. All right, because you didn't make it sound very well at the first part. Right, it wasn't wasn't a singing well, recommendation that's not, there. That's why it's a it's not five out of five. That sounds like like rating inflation to me. No, why? Why I wouldn't mean, it be like a three out of five? That's only uh, that's sixty percent. It's uh, it's hardly hardly passing, and this is not a hardly passing. It's a those were and also those are just my um, quibbles with it. Other people might not be bothered by the head strap or the uh, 
the tether as yeah. seen by um I, I think a lot of a lot of people use the like the like the tether because they can um take the headphones out let them dangle unlike airpods yeah unlike airpods where you if you take it out you have to like stick in your pocket or something hmm. so <clears throat> if you're a person that like always needs to or likes to have one earphone out or have uh you know take out both earphones like commonly take out both earphones then it's a good it's a good option because then they're they're right there right they're ready yeah all right well thank you for answering those questions let me challenging you on it i just it just didn't seem like the ringing endorsement that you were trying to trying to indicate by that rating yeah i think the rating is uh stands how much how much battery life did you get out of your test um, that's another plus. It was, uh, over the estimated eight hours, I believe, whatever the, I think the estimate was eight hours that Apple gives is a bit over that. <clears throat> okay. So yeah. the point is they're $149. They have the W1 chip and, and you were not disappointed. Um, yeah. I mean the, uh, the benefits outweigh the negatives and also, uh, for some people they will, uh, definitely sound better than airpods it has a definite sound signature whether you like it or not you know it's up to you but right it's it's uh, more dynamic than the uh, the airpods which are very flat okay cool so let me uh let me move on to our next topic which is all about the next rumored apple tv mm-hmm. so you've got the current apple tv yep right what mm-hmm. is the current one missing? Uh, for me, content. Um, that's about it. I mean, yeah, content is the big thing. I mean, that's always been the thing about Apple TV is the content. Okay. So it, it looks like this rumor indicates, and this is a, uh, a Bloomberg report written by Mark Gurman, making the prediction that the next Apple TV is going to have 4K resolution and more vivid colors. Mm. Which I, I guess would be HDR, wouldn't it? Yeah, HDR support. Right. So, is is that a big holdup for people? Um, I don't. Th- I, I mean, I personally, I don't think it is. Uh, I mean, obviously, for people who own 4K TVs, I guess yes, it would be. Um, but a vast majority of consumers that are looking to buy streaming boxes don't own 4k tvs right yet i mean they probably will as the standard becomes adopted at a, a wider scale but for, for right now and for you know the time when the fourth gen apple tv came out that was not a, a huge deal or a deal breaker at least yeah. my, my understanding is that not a whole lot of 4k content true 4k content really exists and if they, if they did something like yeah. this, you'd think they would release 4K content in conjunction with it, right? Yeah, I would hope so. I, I mean, I can see them just baking it in in hopes that 4K content will come. But uh, yeah, there's, I mean, Sony who launched their own, you know, 4K streamer and accompanying service. I mean, they're they're still having problems with getting content. A lot of it is just their own stuff. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of 
uh, hurdles to get 4K to a TV, right? Um, besides the content, a lot of the content in, is filmed in higher than 4K resolutions, but getting it to consumers is a different story. Right. So it has to be downscaled to 4K. It has to be done it in a way that a distribution partner can stream it. It has to be licensed by that distribution partner. It has to be, you know, they're, they're, you're right. And then, of course, the internet connection has to support it so that it doesn't get downscaled again because of slow pipes, right? There's there's a lot going on there. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, we're still slowly getting there, but I don't think we're quite there yet that everyone can have it or everyone wants to have yeah. it. Um, and have that consistent experience. And we're, we're still at a point where 4K TVs aren't widely adopted yet. I mean, they're coming, they're they're out there, but in terms of people purchasing them, it's still very, very viable to purchase a 1080 set. Yeah, and a lot cheaper. Uh, yes. Yeah. So. so what do you think of this rumor? Do you, do you think that the Apple would do a, a sort of facelift version of the Apple TV where they gave it just the, uh, the ability to do 4K? Yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, why not? Because uh, the the next iteration is probably going to have a faster chip in it. And the only reason it doesn't do 4K now is because everything's being piped through that um, the A-series chip that was launched, what, two, like almost three years ago now? Yeah, so, it's A8, isn't it? Um, yeah. And, and so when on you in phones and iPads? that spec, the A10 Fusion. Okay. So... Um, yeah, so I mean, when you get that faster chip, which obviously supports 4K, you can just add in that whatever codec you like, probably whatever whatever codec is the de facto. What are they using for 4K? I don't know. It is a good question. Okay, well, let's let's take a moment and let's talk a little bit about malware. Have you ever had malware on a Mac? No. Well. That's I'm, I'm very glad for you. I've never had one on one of mine, but I have had to remove malware from other people's. Are you surprised by that? Yeah, I've... Uh, no, I mean, I've heard of... Um, I think, yes, uh, I've... Some people that I know of have had malware with their... They're free with their their downloads, yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, doing you a favor or something like that. Yeah. yeah. MacKeeper. So the, I, I've had to remove that several times from other people's Macs. I've had to remove other ones. But, but this one is a, a piece of malware uncovered by research firm and antivirus builder Bitdefender. And there's a, a strain of Mac agent, of X agent for Mac that acts as a modular backdoor. Once it's installed, it, uh, it checks for the presence of a debugger. And if it doesn't have one, it, it grabs out one and talks to a command and control server to turn on payload modules. Um, the, the command and control URLs impersonate Apple domains so nothing looks too suspicious. And it can run code, it can run processes, it can grab desktop screenshots, it can steal web browser passwords, it can take iPhone backups. Um, it's it's kind of nasty. Yeah. I think the iPhone backup thing is probably the most uh, disconcerting. Well, if you encrypt your backups, then you don't really have a problem. Do yeah, you? yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a way to. Well, I mean, once you have the encrypted data, it might be a yeah, way. Yeah, it's to not. It's not good, it. but it's better than having it be unencrypted. Yeah, it's better than uh, in right. plain text. Yeah. So, course. 
Bitfunder is still looking into it. It appears that X-Agent is, is at least circumstantial evidence, points to different Russian hacking groups. But this this is uh, not good. It's it's uh, something to, to be very wary of. Yeah. Don't go around clicking on things you don't know, downloading. Stick to the Mac App Store if uh, yeah. possible. But one of the nice things about Mac OS is that... Uh, you know, in years past, Apple would publish things about malware on their support pages and how to manually remove them. But with macOS Sierra, my my experience so far is that when you reboot, it just does the j- removal job for you. Mm. So it's yeah. it's it's kind of sad because we used to say, you know, when your Windows computer wasn't behaving correctly, well, have you tried rebooting? But now that's the correct advice to to solve a malware problem, which is both good and annoying. Yeah, yeah, which could be bad because I don't really. How often do you restart your Mac? What's some people uh, do it every day? Uh, once a month. Yeah, me too. Don't really do it very I, often. I do it because I have too many browser so. tabs open, and I've used up all of my RAM, and it's just easier to start fresh. Oh, you got to, yeah. Yeah, what, what do you use? Uh, Safari or uh, I use Safari day-to-day, and I use Chrome when we do the podcast. Yeah, because you have to. Well, it keeps all of the tabs just for the podcast in one place. called organization. Mm-hmm. So... One of the other topics of the day is is the topic of fake news. And you and I were talking about this a little bit before they started the show. But basically, Eddie Q says that Apple is going to work to combat fake news in the Apple News app. And, you know, they, they, he said he was asked about it. And he says it's on the uh, responsibilities on all of the companies and technology and services to ensure that the problem doesn't spread. But... It's, it's interesting. So he, his quote was, since the vast majority of news is now being read through devices and through services that are provided through those devices, then I think we have responsibility for it, he says. So this is, we, were, we were taking both sides of this, right? Is, is it Apple's job to curate and eliminate fake news? Don't hold back. I don't think it's their part. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's their duty to do so. I think it's their... Um, it's a prerogative if they want to, and it's it would benefit them to uh, have a service like news have the most accurate or well, no, okay. have so, news so be something that can be relied step on. Step back a step here. So Apple has this news app, and they are vetting who and, and curating who's going to be in the news app, right? Mm, they they yes. approve yes. that as a source to include. So they're doing some basic checking and basic, uh, you know, blessing of the the sources that are in there. So do they have a responsibility because they've blessed the source to track that it's not fake news? Uh, I don't think how, so how because that would be go, right. Do they have to check it, each story? Yeah, I mean, it would be. Yeah, no, I don't think that's their. That's not their job to do that. They're not a news outlet. They can provide a platform for news outlets. They don't get to say what the news outlet says. I mean, it, it, it's all, it's kind of bordering on free speech as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, especially Apple who is one for free speech and, uh, basic, uh, basic human rights and all the the good stuff that Tim Cook touts. Do you need Apple filtering the news? Basically ever is, is a valid question, isn't it? No, it, yeah, I, I mean, they don't need to filter it. I think they, 
they can curate what sources are put on their service, but they cannot curate what those sources, what the content of those, of those sources, that would be wrong. That's not their purview. Okay. So are, are they going to do fact checking? Do you think? I don't think that they're going to go that far. He didn't really say exactly what they're doing. He just said there needs to be quote discussion about it between the tech, between the, who, you know, the, the tech companies who offer services like news and, um, I don't know, I guess other companies who provide RSS readers and stuff like that. Um, so there needs to be discussion about it and he's not saying that they have the answers, but they need to talk about where to go from here as far as fake news. It's, it's, I, th I think it's very interesting that, that Q decided that they have a responsibility. And I think it's going to be uh, problematic, especially with people that, that are making the accusations of what is or isn't fake news. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy to see what fake news is. And fake news is news that is not real, it's a lie. And the, the difficulty you know, is, is, should they be filtering it for you? Because there are tons of people who would rather make that determination for themselves. But yeah, I think. Well, there's a, there's different gradations of fake news because it's become like it's buzzword. So a lot of people are using it incorrectly. Um, fake news originated with stories that were patently false. They were made up, made up stories and we have no basis in fact. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it, to, to publish those kind, those types of stories is detrimental to journalism as a whole. And, um, also to where people get their, get their, get their news, but it also serves as entertainment. So where does it, I mean, it, uh, yeah, this is blurring I, 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 so many lines. A, Mr. Q right has, has, uh, opened a can of worms here. Yeah. He didn't, I mean, he didn't promise that Apple's going to do anything about it. He said they're working right. on stuff. So another thing is, is that, uh, Tim Cook and Eddie Q attempted to buy Imagine Entertainment, or at mm. least they, started discussions that could have led to that purchase. Um, yeah. You know, Imagine Entertainment is a Hollywood production company owned by Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. And they, they were, there were talks. We don't know how long they'd been going on for or how far they went or even why they broke down. But this is, this is, or even well, if they're okay, real, if they're real. I mean, but, imagine but, is, but, yeah. Imagine is saying that, yeah, well, stories false. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Or part of the story. Nice, falls. but imagine. So, imagine entertainment was behind Apollo thirteen and Da Vinci Code and a bunch of television shows and and other things. So, it's not like it's a small production house. It's a reasonably well known production house with known productions. Uh, Apple was trying to boost original content, right? They've got the Planet of the Apps and Carpool Karaoke going on, which are two shows that they're going to bring to Apple Music subscribers. And so, if they're going down this content creation path, having a production company that already exists is an easy buy for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not the first time. Like, and we, we also talked about a rumor earlier the last year about how they were considering buying time Warner before the AT&T deal went through. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they look it's Apple. They have so much money. They can consider buying whoever they want. So if someone comes up for sale or is looking like they're in trouble, I'm sure they're, they consider it. They consider a lot of stuff and they have a team dedicated to that. So I'm sure this team is in talks all the time with all the companies, right. right? So that this came out is not 
uh, I mean, it's interesting because imagine it's not in trouble per se, or like, you know, they're not looking to sell. Um, so it seems it, it suggests that Apple reached out to them because they were either looking to, you know, make their own content or perhaps strike a deal to get some sort of exclusive, uh, exclusive with imagine or something. But, well, um, I mean, that's why this is you know, interesting. It, it, to it me. makes sense from the standpoint that, uh, you know, right now Apple's in this position where Hulu works with the TV app, but Netflix does not where Amazon content doesn't even exist on the Apple TV. And Amazon has its own production group making shows that are our award-winning shows. And, and so Apple risks being left out. And if they can't pick up Time Warner, if they can't pick up Imagine, uh, are they doing the things they ought to be doing? Are, are they missing the boat here? You know, is, is Eddie I guess Q it really the depends right what they person want to, do. to be in I mean, this role, if that's what they're doing? Yeah, well, I mean, he has so much experience, and his services section is booming so I mean, he's doing i don't know it, it, right. it just appears to me like but, all the focus is on itunes and and not enough focus on all of it mm, am i not looking at it right yeah i mean i don't know that he says i mean if you want did you watch the uh the code media interview no i haven't seen it yet at all no i mean he he he, he basically talked about all, all the same stuff that he normally talks about but there there are a few nuggets in there like um uh, I think he said something along along the lines of um, they know they know television because of association because they they worked with all these television companies before. But I don't think that's necessarily true. Just because you've worked alongside television companies on you know deals to sell their content does not mean that you know how to create content. And I uh, might get might get a a little uh, blowback on this, but I. I think that's you, you kind think of they still have some parents to learn the huh? planet of the apps. Yeah. Did you see the planet of the apps uh, trailer? I mean, I could be wrong. What? I'm, I'm no, going to no, no, hold no. a judge no, with no, judgment not. until tell, uh, tell us what you saw when you saw the planet of the apps trailer. What's your perspective? What do you see? Um, Go on. It look, it, it does not look appealing. I mean, it, it looks appealing to a certain class of viewer, a very niche audience. M- Mikey, it's, but it does not look. It's reality appealing. TV. It's meant for it's. And it's, it's very not, close to shark. It's like shark tank, except limited to apps. Are you surprised? I'm well, a little surprised. I mean, I thought it would it's, be, it's not for app developers. I mean, they could, it's, they could, every app developer who's ever lived has always heard, Hey, I got this really cool ideal for an app. You want to hear it? I'll cut you in. And and they're sick of that, right? So it's not for app developers. It's for people who have had yeah, app I, ideas at some point and been the person talking to the developer, being able to watch along and say, yeah, I thought of something like that, and that's how it should have gone, right? Maybe I should get on that show. That's that's what it's for. It's for that and for people who like the drama of the judges telling them no, right? I don't think that's going to be a big part of the thing. It, it seems like there's going to be like a, you know, it's going to be segmented, right? There's going to be... It's not going to be like Shark Tank where every every episode they're going to have judges, you know, saying yes or no to a certain thing. They're going to start off with that and then they're going to take that concept through to fruition. So there's going to be teams. So it's going to start off like Shark Tank then move its sort way on to like kind of like a voice kind of thing. Of, yeah. So I mean that that concept could be interesting. But the the elevator pitch thing is really kind of hokey. Um 
escalator is, pitch. I mean, I don't know about the escalator part of it, but I, you know, having having seen oh, people so. pitch, pitching is. Everyone says pitching okay, is so, easy, and so, yet so many people do it so very badly. Yeah. So in the show, you they have sixty seconds to pitch their idea to the judges, and while they're doing it, they're literally riding down an escalator. That's why they call it the escalator pitch. That's a cute little, uh, cute little idea and a cute little way of limiting the time. Exactly so. Yeah. And then when they get to the bottom, the uh, judges swipe left or right on an iPad. And if, uh, you know, if, you know, whoever is interested or if the, no one's interested, then I guess yeah. they leave or if there's two, then the contestant gets to pick who their, uh, mentor is. I believe they call, call them yeah. the mentor. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good. It, it's interesting for, people that are interested in that i think i don't know if it's going to play well beyond well, that audience maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see, see how it works with the audience of people who watch shark tank there's a large dedicated audience of shark tank watchers so it, it could do the same could be i think people i mean i like i like i don't like shark tank, <laughs> but i mean uh people who like shark tank um you don't like it's, it's kind of fun to see the weird idea yeah. that they come up with. I don't know what kind so of weird So the problem ideas. with Shark Tank is, only be is, is this, right? You, people go in there with an idea that is is sometimes a very reasonable idea, a very plausible idea. And they've already begun to prove it. They've already got some amount of sales. And they walk in there and they say, I want to give you 30% of my company or whatever it is for $100,000, $150,000. So they've already said exactly what their company is worth. And it's a piddlingly small amount of money. And, it's, and, and they're giving away a vast percentage for that piddlingly small amount of money. So it's a good way to lose your whole company, right? Or, or lose control of your company because... As, as you know, presume you've got a partner, so now you're 50 50. Presume you're giving up another 30. So one of your partners is already out in terms of, of a majority stake of the company kind of thing. It's, it's a really, you watch it and people are nuts giving up their, their yeah. you know, giving up their, their whole business and, and their ownership in the business. Don't, don't you want something that's supportable? Don't you want to, to retain control and have an investor that's a partner not going to take you? I don't know. Eh, I mean, that's what so they do. But uh, yeah, well, the the uh, so-called I mean, prize the, I, I think um, from lights from uh, light speed is well, pretty sizable. The investment it was over ten yeah. million dollars, so that's pretty right. I mean, with with good. the Shark Tank, the decent, decent I think the cash. the real win is to go on there and then turn down all the offers and that get all the phone calls from people who saw you on Shark Tank to invest. That's yeah, or just get that the there is that. So we had this article about Apple's confidence and, and acquisition strategy standing in the way of large takeovers. And this is something Roger wrote. And Roger wrote that Apple's been unable to pull off large acquisitions because it often feels like it doesn't need to, but also because they're hesitant to approach the process. Right? That, that they're trying to be risk-averse, and because they're risk-averse, they don't cooperate with third-party advisors like investment banks. And I, I think this is almost a non-story. First of all, we, oh God, I'm looking at this. It's 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 depressing to read. Basically, investment bankers are saying that Apple should hire investment bankers. Shocking. Isn't that amazing? And I, I think this is ridiculous because if you think about it, Apple makes a ton of acquisitions. We don't always hear about them right away. They're they're not necessarily huge ones, but there's certainly a big number and and big money behind it. This is not. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is investment bankers being left out of well, the process typical, because Apple talks directly to companies' management instead of investment bankers. It's your typical Bloomberg story. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. But, I mean, I don't know, it's not, it's not really news, I don't think. This is just how Apple operates. And, yeah, they have a decent... I mean, they have a more than decent team. Well, and there are there are and, uh, big takeovers, M&A. right? Compaq bought so. Digital, HP bought Compaq, uh, Microsoft bought Nokia, yeah. and and you know, Google bought Motorola, AOL bought Time Warner. It's, oh, it's, it's an awesome list, isn't it? Well, so so is yeah. Sounds like all those things. Yeah, went so real does well. Apple belong Seemingly. on that list? List of <laughs> That's failures. What I'm looking at. I don't know. I mean, look, the strategy that they're looking at right now, which is buy smaller companies on the cheap uh, for, and then, you know, use that technology or acquire the talent and make their own technology seems to be working just right. fine so, for them. So what right I would now. say, I don't think is, they need to diversify. The, the investment bankers wanting more business from themselves is fine, but this is a stupid, uh, stupid thing that they've put out. And it was fine for us to cover it, but but it, the investment bankers need to go soak their heads here. The is Apple doing everything right? No, I would say not. But is Apple doing enough right that they're purchasing the companies that they want to purchase and developing the technology in house that they want to develop the technology in house for? Uh, so far, signs point to yes. Wouldn't you agree? Other than yep. other than your wait on the of, iPhone eight, uh, but we'll see. Of the apps, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong. The guy behind it is uh he's a big fish. So he is. He brought over American Idol and uh what's the other what's he known for? He's known for um uh, what did he bring over? What's the name you're thinking of? What reality show? It was um uh, it was like one of the first big reality shows. I forget what it was. It was a game show, I forget what it was called. Anyway. I'm going to look up the, the name He's you're big thinking deal. of because you can't even think who you're thinking of here. Uh, his name is um, Ben Silverman, okay. I think. Um, just Google Ben Silverman. I'm sure it'll be like the first thing that pops up. Surprisingly not. Ben Affleck comes first. Um, <laughs> <gasps> so uh, Ben Silverman was, uh, was for a while at NBC Universal and... Uh, Producer of The Office, Jane the Virgin, Ugly Betty, Marco Polo, The Tudors, Biggest Loser. Um, you were probably thinking mm-hmm. Biggest Loser, weren't you? No, I think I was thinking about The really? Office. Okay. Yeah. I think he did The Office, and then he brought over um, some reality okay. stuff. And now his team is like, that's like what they do. They pitch reality shows. Cool. Yeah. But his idea is neat uh, in that... Um, uh, he did like a, a project runway kind of thing um, that, uh, you know, you could buy the clothes, the winning clothes, like after the last episode aired. But I mean, you don't get that immediate gratification, right? right? But with Planet of the Apps, when the last episode airs, you can go and immediately download the app and consume. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. I mean, I don't know if that's going to drive sales or not. Well, well, you know it will somewhat. Um, it'll be that big yeah, initial bump. And enough, it won't necessarily carry it out, but it'll be a big bump. Yeah. Plus, I mean, it's going to get featured on the well, App Store. 
So. All right. So let's wrap this episode up. Is there anything else you want to comment on before we do? Uh, nope. That's uh, looking at the stories. That's that's a big. All right. Big well, stuff. this has been episode 108 of the Apple Insider Podcast. Mikey, where can people find you on the App Store? On the App Store, oh, where can not. people find you on the internet? I'm on uh, on the Twitter machine at Mikey Campbell 81. And, and Well, I'm your host, Victor, and I want to thank you again for listening. Thanks again to Mara for sponsoring today's episode. Mara is a hands-free virtual running assistant that uses cutting-edge voice recognition to help coach you to better runs. Play music, get updates on your location, pace, or weather, and compare your current speed with past runs without ever stopping to have to look at your phone, because no one wants to look at your phone. And use your earbuds, because Mara can hear your commands and put them into action. So download your new running partner for free at mara.ai today. Thank you, and thanks again for listening.